Every Sunday, we look forward to hearing from members from our congregation. We call it storytelling, and it's simply a way for us to connect as the body by learning more about each other and how God has been working in our lives in funny, faithful, and sometimes difficult ways. Our storyteller today is one of my favorite people. You've seen him every Sunday behind the piano. You've heard him sing, but most of you haven't heard him speak. His name is Ian Holstein. Ian, would you come tell us a story? Good morning. My name's Ian, like Katie said. And I was gonna introduce myself by saying I usually play the piano, but she already said that, so. Um, and I wanted to tell a story about that as well. Um, to give you some background, uh, been playing piano since I was six. I grew up in a very musical family. Uh, my grandma taught me. And um, I've also grown up playing a lot in uh, worship bands and worshiping in church. Um, my mom has always been a singer, and my dad played piano in church as well. My grandparents um, on worship teams. And so, always been a huge part of my life. I'm very grateful that I'm able to do it here. And um, so my story is uh, about me um, singing, actually. Um, piano, like I said, has always been a big part of my life. So playing on the stage, even though it was a little bit of a transition from uh, the other stuff that I used to do, a little easier. But, but singing is uh, pretty scary to me. And um, so... I wanted to tell about my very first time singing on stage. Um, let's see, I went to a, grew up going to a pretty large church. Um, at one point we had three services every Sunday and then a night service as well. Um, so that was a lot of time spent playing music. And one year for Christmas, I think I was eight. Um, that's this picture that I have here. I was about eight in this picture. And um, my mom was gonna sing and I was gonna do a duet with her. Um, seemed not too bad at the time. So practiced a bunch getting ready for the service. Um, the pianist, uh, it was just me, her, and a piano player, and so I had memorized the part that I was gonna listen to, to, to lead me in, and did it in practice many, many times. Everything was all good. I was feeling great and um, you know, lots of confidence. And then the one performance that we did, uh, the piano player that was accompanying us came in a different way at the part that I was supposed to sing at. And um, I didn't know what to do, kind of freaked out and just started singing, but the mic wasn't on either. And I could tell right away. And so I just started crying right on stage and uh, got a bloody nose on the stage. <laughs> and uh, things have improved since then, fortunately. Um, but yeah, just to say, sometimes you can be really confident about something like that, practice a lot, and God might have other plans, but he'll, he'll bring you through it and, and teach you something through that. And that's the end of my story. Thanks for listening. So our scripture reading... <laughs> Um, from the Gospel of Matthew, please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading verses 1, 11 from Matthew chapter 21 in the New International Version. 
right. As they approached Jerusalem and came from Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The word of the Lord. We are privileged this morning to have with us Pastor Mark Novak, who will be preaching. And Mark is a Pacific Northwest native, so he's one of our own. However, he has literally had about every pastorate job I think you can think of. So he's been a youth pastor, a lead pastor. He's been a church planter. He also was the superintendent of the Pacific Northwest Conference for a number of years. Um, and his last venture was he was the director of ordered ministry for the covenant in Chicago. But like any wise person, he realized, why am I living in Chicago when I could live in the Pacific Northwest? <laughs> so he's returned to God's country, and he is the interim executive director at Cascades Camp. So we welcome Mark to be with us today. Thank you so much. It is great to be here, uh, to be back. See many familiar faces out there, so it is good to be with you all. Would you please pray with me? Father, this is Palm Sunday. It's the beginning of Holy Week. As we come to you now, use these words to help transform us to be more like you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. It is the beginning of a week like no other. And certainly not exactly what the disciples, even though they were told about it, or the people that day expected. Sometimes following Jesus is not what we expect. Sometimes following Jesus brings surprises to our lives, some positive and some that cause us to struggle. The city was full of people. They had gathered to celebrate Passover. Those who'd been following Jesus knew that Lazarus has been raised from the dead. Their expectations were high. Of course, they'd wanted to believe, and who wouldn't believe that this Messiah, this king was going to come? He was a healer. He fed the hungry. He did mighty deeds. So they took branches, and they went out to meet him. Now, palm branches were often used in Jewish celebrations, um, they were used during the Feast of Tabernacles 
and for the rededication of the temple some hundred years earlier under Judas Maccabees. So they shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. And we sang it many times this morning. Literally, it means save us now. Save us now. You see, they wanted an earthly king. But he comes gently, as the passage says, gently on a donkey into the city. They wanted him to redeem the world immediately, to remove their poverty, restore their glory. It's kind of like watching a sitcom. In 30 minutes, they solve every family problem, right? They wanted it now. They didn't expect to wait for the kingdom. They didn't understand the kingdom was something spiritual and not something physical right that moment. And those people certainly didn't understand what was coming at the end of the week. They did not know. And we look at it, and we know the whole story. And it kind of goes into context for us, because we, we understand what happens. Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, the crucifixion, the resurrection. And we say, of course they celebrated on that Sunday. But they did not know. Jesus had been teaching the disciples for three years, helping them to understand that he would have to walk this difficult road. And it was hard for them also. But this all begins for the disciples as they're called to follow Jesus. Mark gives a wonderful declaration. They're there. Jesus comes up, and he says some simple words to them. Follow me. Leave everything and follow me. Literally what Jesus is saying is trust me. Trust me, I have something better for you. Trust me, I have a life of significance for you. Trust me, I know what's best for you. Trust me, I will take care of you. Trust me. And they leave their nets, they leave everything, and they walk away. And for me, that's hard to understand until you understand what it's like to be a Jewish boy. Scott McKnight talks about one of his books, how every Jewish mother prayed every day, Lord, have a rabbi come and invite my son to be taught. Oi, please, God. So what happens? The rabbi comes, says to these fishermen, follow me. This is the mother's dream come true. And they leave. And they begin to follow Jesus down this road. Now it's the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And what was next? Establishing the kingdom? What would the week truly hold? What it would hold would turn the disciples' world and the whole world upside down. What about us? How hard is it for us who know the whole story to trust God when we do not know what will take place in the week ahead. We know how this story unfolds. Still there are times when trusting God becomes difficult. But I would submit to you that trusting God is the daily decision we make every day. Yes, we make the decision to follow Christ when we say we come to Christ and we become a believer. But it's a daily decision to say, can I trust God today? Can I trust God with me? The part of me that no one sees. Can I trust God with my family? 
can I trust God with my church? Several years ago, I took a class in high trust leadership, and one of the key phrases from that is this. I will only let you love me to the degree that I trust you, no matter how much love you have for me. I will only let you love me to the degree that I trust you, no matter how much love you have for me. This one truth has changed my life. How I parent, how I husband, how I grandparent, and how I become a friend. You see, it works in our relationships with each other. It works in my relationship with my wife. It doesn't matter how much love Marilyn has for me and wants to shower on me. If I don't trust her, I'm going to hold that love at bay. And we do this with God all the time. God wants to lavish us with his love. And they would say, God, I'm not sure you got this. <laughs> not sure I can trust you. And so we miss out on this lavish love of God. We have the illusion that we are in control. And we miss the love of another, a spouse, a parent, a child, or a friend because we really don't trust them. It was three years ago, I had just finished my certificate in high trust leadership and I was really ready to dump it all on the folks at Independence Camp at Cascades. Some of you were probably there. It was awesome, I was great. Just say it. I asked them the same question I asked you this morning. Can I trust God with me? Can you trust God with your family? Can you trust God with your church? It was one month later, I sat in an emergency room thinking Marilyn, my wife, had had a stroke, not knowing what the next day would bring. That was actually good news if it was just a stroke. But three days later, into the next week, it was much more serious than that. It turned out she has two inoperable brain lesions, central nervous system vasculitis, and autoimmune encephalopathy, whatever that is. And I sat in the University of Washington in that hospital room for weeks, and I remembered the sermons that I preached to those people, to you people. And God said, what about you? Are you just a preacher or are you a follower of Jesus? Can you trust me, Mark? I got this. Can you trust me? I thought I was in control. Guess what? I'm not. And I wasn't. Turns out, all that preaching was for an audience of one, me. Our lives are forever changed by those events in every way, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Not knowing what tomorrow brings and every day is precious, more precious than I ever thought it could be now, it requires that I wake up every morning and ask the same question. God, can I trust you today? Jesus says, follow me. Trust me. Next part of the story is about the work Jesus had been doing for three years with the disciples, building trust with them, a community, a laboratory, if you will, for their character formation. If you know the story, simply think about the, how the week unfolds for Peter. Over and over again, he puts his foot in his mouth. Jesus wants to wash him, wash his feet. And he goes, oh, just wash all of me. 
Nowhere is our Christ-like character formed more profoundly than the crucible of relationship. This is true for us also. The church, marriage, family, work, school, all provide a laboratory for us to grow up into Christ. Where every relationship, easy or difficult, is no longer seen as a burden, but as an opportunity for maturity and the honing of our Christ-like character. Relationships are where we practice trust and how to become trustworthy. Relationships are important because they're part of our spiritual influence. Relationships should be characterized as vital, healthy, and mutually beneficial, enabling each person to maximize their sense of significance, their effectiveness, and to discover their sense of call. And we're all called. We're all called. Our first vocation is to be a follower of Jesus. And it's our most important vocation. As a pastor for over 40 years, I've had some cranky parishioners. I'm just saying. As a youth pastor, I had some kids that were difficult. In Chicago, as executive minister of ordered ministry, I had some pastors who struggled. Every one of those things, God has used to form my character, to become more Christ-like. Didn't understand it at the time, didn't like it much of the time, but it's all God honing, all God honing us. Arthur Friedman has said, people of genius are admired, people of wealth are envied, people of power are feared, but only people of character are trusted. Building our Christ-like character so we can be trusted, so we can be trustworthy. Who trusts you? Who do you trust? You see, when character is formed in the crucible of relationships, it's a mutual thing. We're smoothing each other. We're making each other Christ-like. And it's important because, see, in isolation, in isolation, I am the perfect pastor. In isolation, I'm the perfect parent. In isolation, I'm the best grandparent my five grandkids could ever desire. If you ask me. But in relationship, you might want to ask my kids. <laughs> might want to ask my grandkids. Don't ask Marilyn. Anyway. We need each other. On the surface, our relationships appear fine because they must. There was a woman in one of my churches, and I knew. If I said to her at the door after church, how are you? She would look at me and say, do you really want to know? If so, let's go into your office for an hour. She was tired of just the nice thing. I'm fine. On the surface, our relationships appear fine because they must if the decorum is to be maintained. But underneath there can be a cauldron boiling, slowly poisoning our hearts with its vapors and its lack of trust. These three years with the disciples, Jesus was building trust with them, trying to help them understand what this week was going to be. And yet, it was hard for them to understand. So after the Apostle Paul, now in the book of Galatians, gives us 
these wonderful qualities called the fruit of the Spirit. And let me read some definitions for you. I believe they come from John Stott, great English scholar, theologian. They're all about relationship. Love is caring for somebody else as much as I care about me. Joy is love rejoicing. Cannot truly rejoice without another. We need others to truly rejoice, don't we? I can hit a hole in one, but if no one's there to celebrate, it's not much good. Peace is love manifesting quiet tranquility, a non-anxiousness. Patience is love refusing to become frustrated. Kindness is love exercising compassion and forgiveness. Goodness is love aiming to be as gracious and generous as Jesus. Faithfulness is love keeping its promises and sticking to its commitments. Gentleness is love refusing to be harsh and demanding, demanding it when it has every right to assert its own interests. Self-control is love voluntarily putting the brakes on its own feelings and actions. My brothers and sisters, only truth that is trusted transforms. The truth of God's grace and mercy means nothing if it's not trusted. The degree to which people trust you determines the impact of your sphere of spiritual influence. I would submit to you it's an attractional form of evangelism and discipleship not based upon a technique but on character. Character infused with trust. Character formed in relationship. Christ-like character that attracts people to say, what is it in your life that's different? From the book Beyond Your Best, one of the most powerful gifts of grace is its permission to laugh and enjoy just for the sake of its delight. Its unguarded playfulness promises anyone who gets close that there is safety, respect, joy, and deep appreciation, productivity, and creativity. Play, fun, and laughter play off each other in a beautiful and significant way. Few marks of a healthy culture are as easily received as trust-engendered laughter. The reality is that if we knew what tomorrow would bring, we could be terrified. So all we can do, like the disciples, is to trust God one day at a time. It's all we have. I've worked with addicts for over 20 years. Sometimes for addicts, it's one hour at a time. But it is one day at a time. God, can I trust you to be clean and sober today? Can you walk with me in that? Like the crowds gathered that day, all they could do was worship. It's what they were called to do. They praised him, not knowing, not understanding the events of the coming week. Yes, they had a bundle of expectations as they worshiped, and if we're honest, we have a bundle of expectations when we come to worship also. Because it's God. He can do anything. They did what was necessary for that day. 
They hailed the king, the Messiah. They welcomed him into Jerusalem, the holy city. And hopefully, in this community of faith, Evergreen, we will take one step towards growing in our Christ-like character. Learning to trust that king, learning to trust that Messiah with our very lives. Not knowing what the weeks will bring. And in that journey of trusting the master, the rabbi, the teacher, the Lord, the king, the Messiah, we too become more trustworthy. And we love unconditionally and we receive love unconditionally. So Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he, the one we can trust with our lives. He wants nothing more from us than to trust him one day at a time. Let's pray together. Lord, on this Palm Sunday, I pray that we would worship you, for you are the King, you are the Messiah. I also pray that you would give us the courage to trust you when we don't know what tomorrow brings. Trust you with our church, with our lives the parts of our heart that no one knows but us, for you already know it anyway. Come to us. Come to us, Lord Jesus. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Amen.